bless you this morning. It's always good to be in your presence. Amen, amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalm, the 13th number of Psalms. This psalm is written by David, and for whatever reason, I've been stuck on King David and the psalm. The psalm speaks to our hearts. Psalm number 13, and it reads, beginning at verse number one, it says, How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. From this passage of scripture, I would like to pin for a title. Waiting on God ain't easy, but it's worth it. Waiting on God ain't easy. I said ain't. But it's worth it. As a subtitle, I would like to also title this God's Holding Pattern. God's Holding Pattern. Holding Pattern is an aviation term. A few years ago, when I was coming back from Mexico from a work trip, we took off from Obregón, Mexico, and made our way to Mexico City. It's about a two-hour flight, and as we began to make our descend, I could hear the plane descending, feel it descending, and just as we were about to land, it took off again. When it took off again, it went back up to about 4,000 feet. And I know that because I researched it. And what happened was the plane began to make a circular motion around the airport. And this went on for about 20 minutes. We were just riding, just circling the airport. And that 20 minutes that we were circling the airport felt like two hours because we did not know what was going on. I looked at other passengers and I could see the panic in their eyes. Of course, I was cool. I was. <laughs> but we're circling and we're circling and we're circling. And eventually we, we did land. We did go down the land. I remember praying at that time. I like, God, I can't wait. Please let this plane land. And we did land. 
But what we discovered was that there was some equipment that had broke down on the runway. And it created an unsafe condition for us to land. And there are times that God will allow you to stay in difficult situations, troubling situations, because it's not safe for you to land. There, there, there's some places that you've been trying to get to. There's some things that you've been trying to accomplish. And God has not let you accomplish it. He has not let you get there. Why? Because it's not safe for you to land. You see, there could be some destruction to you and your person if you land. You can destroy some relationships if you land. And so God will put you in a holding pattern that will help to develop you. Because whether you know it or not, my faith was increased on that plane ride. I learned how to trust God. I realized that I'm 4,000 feet in the air and there's absolutely nothing I can do about this situation. And I don't know about you, but I've been there even with my feet on the ground. Where I had encountered some things that I could do absolutely nothing about. I've prayed about it. I've gone to God. I've searched the scriptures about it. And nothing changed. Nothing whatsoever changed. As a matter of fact, if anything, it seemed that the circumstance got worse. And God will put you and allow you to be in situations like that. That you might grow up. That when he does land you in those opportunities that you've been looking for, that you've been searching for, you'll be able to thrive in them and not crash and burn. This is, this is David. This is what David is going through. David is a wonderful king of Israel. Perhaps the second greatest king that Israel had ever had. Jesus Christ being the first. David in his life goes through a series of ups and downs, turmoil and joy, pain and suffering, but yet being lifted up as the king of Israel. And that's how life is. Because life is not always going to be good for you. It's not always going to be good to you. There are going to be some things that you're going to have to cry out to God for. And that's what we see in this text. Because this text is really a, a transitional text. Because it starts off with David in despair. It starts off with David depressed. But then it ends with David singing the songs of salvation and how God will save him from his troubles. And look at here in the text, four times, David asked God the question, how long? It is in succession, how long? How long, how long, how long? David does not even give God a chance to answer. Because all that David can see at this moment is the trouble that's around him. All he can really see is his enemy, even to the point to where he's asking God, how long will thou forsake, for, forget me? 
He can't even see God anymore. He sees his enemy. He sees his circumstance. He sees his situation. Don't you ever let Satan get you to the point to where all you see is your problems. Because beyond your problem is the problem solver. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been encouraged by, by the Hebrew text to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, you keep looking to the Lord Jesus Christ despite what you're going through. I, I, I know that you didn't get the promotion on your job that you wanted. But maybe this is an opportunity for God to get you ready for an even better position. Don't give up on God. David asked God, how long will thou forget me, Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Well, he's asking God something that's impossible. God can never forget us. David feels as though God has abandoned him. But understand that God will never abandon you. You're always on God's mind and his heart. And God wants nothing but the best for you. As a matter of fact, God wants better for you than you want for your own self. Did you not know that there's some things that God is preparing you for that are greater than you can even imagine or you can even think? But it's going to take some time. And understand that David is asking and putting God within a time parameter. And God moves at his own pace. He does things in his own way. Because the Lord knows best. And there are some things that, that, that you are going through that are challenging you, that are preparing you for when God does open up the windows of heaven. And even if he doesn't, there's glory after this. There's glory on the other side of this life. And even, even if I die in my current situation and my circumstances take me out of here, I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ because to, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. No, I'm not looking to be taken out of here. But it's all right. Because I know that I can make it because God said that I could. I have faith in him. And so eternal life is waiting for me on the other side. And that's really what I'm striving for. And that's why everything that I do, I can do as unto the glory of God, that he might be glorified. If I don't see, receive not one accolade on this side, that's fine. Because I'm looking to heaven. I'm looking towards glory. That's why I'm fixated on. David asked, God, how long will you forgive me? How long will you hide your faith? But also, how long will I take counsel in my old soul? What David is really saying is that, that God, I'm left with nothing but my own emotions. I'm, I'm left with nothing but my, my own decision-making abilities. And understand that all of us have made bad decisions, bad choices based on our emotions. Our emotions will get us in trouble more than anything else. 
There are times that you have to rely on the scriptures or what the word of God says. And not necessarily on how you feel. Because sometimes I just don't have the right feelings about certain things. I don't have the right feeling about certain people. And I make bad decisions based on how I feel about a person. But when you have God as your guide, when you have him as your direction, God will give you the right things, the right things to say, the right things to do pertaining to your enemies. Far too many times we're trying to fight people. And God said, put it down. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Because there's some folk that you can, you, 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 you're no match for. There's some circumstances and situations you are absolutely no match for. And God desires to do it. And so he has to keep you in this holding pattern because you'll destroy yourself. God says it's not safe for you to land yet. So you find yourself stuck. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to rationalize it. God is beyond that. Because God is God. And he knows all. He knows the past, the present, and the future. God knows exactly what you're about to step into. And he's already ordered your steps. The problem is you don't want to take the step that God has ordered for you. The implication here is that, that, that church, the church needs to grow up. Far too long we've been growing but not growing up. This is about growing up. This is about becoming mature. Because God can get better service out of a mature Christian than a baby Christian. How many, how, how many babies you see you know, getting get up and going to work in the morning? It's the grown-ups. What, what, what does that mean to be grown? It means taking on responsibilities. That means being accountable for your actions. This is what God wants from us. We sit down and we, we want to point fingers. We want to blame other folk for our circumstance, for our situation. But it takes us like David looking in the mirror of God's word and saying, Lord, it's me that's standing in the need of prayer. I'm the one that's jacked up. Lord, I'm the one that you need to change, that you need to work on. You, get, you keep praying that God fix somebody else and he really needs to fix us. One of the most difficult things it is to do as, as a preacher is to get people to look within themselves. We spend far too many times looking at other folk and judging other folk. Look within yourself. Where you at? How, how are you measuring up when it comes to your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? What, what, what is your life when you leave outside of these four walls? What does that look like? That ain't for me to come and judge. You need to judge yourself and you won't be judged. You need to take an honest assessment of your own life. That's what accountability is really all about. 
That's what taking responsibility is really all about. What am I doing? What am I not doing that I should be doing? How long? How how long will you keep going through the same test in which God has given you? How how long will you keep tripping over the same thing that the devil has set before you before you learn your lesson? How long will you keep having to go through these things before you actually grow up in God? Where God can get some type of service out of your life. Everything that David is going through right now is for the betterment of David and his ministry once he becomes king. David would not be nowhere near the king that he was had he not gone through this situation, this time in his life. But David even gets to a place of being discouraged. David gets to this place of depression. And he's asking God. No, he's going beyond asking. Because this is a cry to the Lord. And sometimes God will allow us to go through some things that we might generate some passion when we come into his presence. And we'll go from asking God to crying out to God. There's a difference when you cry out to God. And we know that because we see it every day. When George Floyd was being murdered by the police, he cried out to his mother. When Tyrese cried out, he cried out to his mother. Why is that? Because there's something in mothers that God has given you. There's something in mothers that when a child is is hurting or in pain, the first one that they cry out is to mama. Because we feel like mama can fix the circumstance and the situation. But we need to switch that and turn out and cry out to God. Because it's God that can fix things that even mama can't fix. God can turn situations around that mama can't do nothing about. So here David is crying out. And the first thing that David asked God is to consider and hear me, O Lord. No, no, no. In Hebrew, this word consider actually means to look diligently towards me. He's asking God to focus on me. And not only are you asking you to, to, to focus on me, but God, hear my cry. Hear what I have to say. And how many of us want God to really look at us? Because there's some things we're doing that God, we don't want God to see. David is being transparent with God. And understand that you can only be transparent with God because God sees what you don't even want him to see. So you might as well be honest. If you can't be honest with nobody else, be honest with God. I've learned that in my prayers, to just be honest with God. Because he already knows. If, if I'm upset, if I'm angry, I let God know that I'm upset and I'm angry. If I feel like God is not hearing me, just like David, I let God know that, God, I don't know if you're hearing me. I'm crying out before you, Lord, but it's, it's like you're not even hearing me, God. Because God already knows. And that's what he wants. He wants us to be honest with him. He says, consider me and hear me. 
He said, why? Oh, Lord, and enlighten my eyes. So in this, in the response to this, is that when God sees him and he hears him, he has the confidence, listen here, that God will enlighten his eyes or will open his eyes. And this is really all David really needed was his eyes to be open. Because understand the fact that God has always been there for David. The problem is that David could not see him because he was constantly seeing his circumstance and his situation. And that's how we are sometimes. God has always been there. Even when you lost your job, God was there. Even when you didn't get to promotion, God was there. Even when it seemed like you couldn't make your bills be, God was still there. But we become blinded. But David has the confidence in God that God will enlighten his eyes. He said, lest I sleep the sleep of death. In other words, David is saying that, that God, if you don't intervene, if you don't help me, God, this is going to take me out of here. And I don't know if you've ever been there before. You know, that, that your problem has been so great that you thought, God, this is going to take me out of here. If it's not going to take you out of here physically, it'll take you out of here spiritually. You have not been in Christ Jesus. You really need to be on your bending knees praying and asking God to come into your life. Because once you sleep the sleep of death outside of Christ Jesus, you have no other recourse but to go to hell. But understand that there's still some work that God has for us as believers to do. There's a whole lot of work that we need to do. There's a whole lot of folk we need to go out and touch with the word of God. We need to be uh, ones that are proclaiming the word of God. But far too many of us are already asleep. And we need to be awakened. Because the journey ahead of us, that God has assigned to our hands, is far too much for us without the Holy Spirit and without God directing and guiding us. And this is, he, 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 David is still focusing on this. He said, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. And there's nothing worse than your enemies getting the victory over you. And then talking about it to your face. That, that, that's horrible. That's horrible. You see, because the devil is a trash talker. He know how to talk some trash. But understand, there's nothing that beats trash talking than results. What kind of results are you going to give God? Well, you can do like David did. You can trust God. This is where the transition here begins in this text. But David said, but, that's a good place for a but, right? But I have trusted in thy mercy. And understand that, God, that David is trusting in the mercy of God. In other words, David knows that he's experienced what he did not deserve. He realized that he deserved death and hell. Much in the same way we deserve the same thing. None of us deserves the mercy of God. But God gives us new mercy every morning that we wake up. When our sin should have taken us out of here, God gives us mercy. 
He's, he's, he's abundant in mercy. He said, he said, but I have trusted in thy mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. No, no, no. Is this salvation from sin? Yeah, absolutely. Is it salvation from problems and situations? Absolutely. Is this salvation from your enemies? Absolutely. This is what we're looking for. We're looking that God will save us from our circumstance and our situation, but ultimately we're looking for him to save us from the sin of this world and to give us a home that's not made by hands. This is, this is what he has promised to do. Listen here, David's situation has not changed. His enemies are still beating his door down. His circumstances are still overwhelming him. But yet in the midst of it, he said, I have trusted in your mercy. In other words, God, I realize that it could be far worse than it really is. But it's because of your mercy that you are sustaining me. And listen, God will do the same thing for you, brothers and sisters. Even in the midst of your circumstances and your situation, God will sustain you. He will keep you. Listen, just the mere fact that you're here this morning tells me that God kept you from some stuff. That God has brought you through some things. And I can't tell your story. But I'm pretty sure you can tell your story. What the Lord has done for you. Because I know what he's done for me. And I've trusted him. I've put my faith in him. Listen, verse 6, David sings this song of praise. He said, I will sing unto the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now understand that God dealing with us in our circumstances, in our situation. Here this verb bountifully actually means a reoccurrence. In other words, David is experiencing God's blessing over and over and over and over again. David realizes that he did not deserve any of this, but yet God still blesses him. He's still blessing him. He's still taking care of him. Even in the midst of his troubles and his trial, God is still taking care of David. You need to understand that. That God will take care of you. He will take care of you. He will keep you. Understand that Satan is really like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to devour you. But God said, no, I got you. You'll be like Daniel in the lion's den. God will shut his mouth. But it takes you trusting in the Lord. Trusting in his mercy. Trusting in his grace. Trusting in his salvation. Because he paid a price for you on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. He came down as a man, wrapped himself in flesh, lying in a manger. He got up and he, he grew up and he healed the sick and he raised the dead. Fed no less than 5,000 people. Yes, he did. Then he went on to Calvary's cross. That he might give his life a ransom for you and for me. They nailed him in his hands. Nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. He suffered, bled, and died for your sins and for my sins. He did it for us. What we could not do for ourselves. God did it. 
We didn't deserve any of it. It's a part of his mercy. It's a part of his grace. God did it. If I had to die for myself, I'd be in hell right now. But God died for my sins. He took all of my sin upon him. Suffered, bled, and died on an old rugged cross. They buried him in a tomb. And if he had to stop there, we'd still be lost. But the record declares that on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And it's because of that, it's because of my faith in that, because I have trusted in that, because I have put my absolute faith in that, the Bible says that he's going to come again and he's going to rapture me up. He's going to take me away from this hurt. All the cares of this world will be left down here. I won't have to deal with them anymore. And I'll be forever with him in heaven, living with him. Rejoicing in him, worshiping him, praising him, glorifying him. That's the benefit of waiting on God. Waiting on God is difficult. But it's worth it. It's worth it to wait on the Lord. Because he will make our way straight. And he's ready to take us back with him one day. I'm looking for that day, brothers and sisters. I'm looking for that glorious day when he comes back. We thank and praise God. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.